You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're, students. we're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. the next generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation. Take it outside. Mic check, please. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Ducks on the Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Jennings. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Brazier. My name is John Gordon. I'll be your host. And I'm your host, Katie Burke. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited Podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America. The DU Podcast, sponsored by Purina Pro Plan, the official performance dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Purina Pro Plan, always advancing. Hey everybody, welcome back. Thanks for joining us here on another episode of the Ducks Unlimited podcast. We have a special occasion here for you today. The, the episode that we're going to be playing here in a little bit comes from a discussion we had as part of a campus waterfowl hunt down at Mississippi State University and just, I guess, in late January. And I had the fortune of, of going on that hunt at my alma mater. Uh, the night before the hunt, we did a hour-long podcast discussion and the host of Campus Waterfowl was part of that. And he is... He's the one that I have to thank for inviting me to go on that trip, and he's sitting right across the table from me here. And so it's Derek Christian's uh, sort of the – what's your official title there, Derek? Director, manager, campus waterfowl? What is it? Yeah, official title is coordinator of R3 Media slash Campus Waterfowl Productions. Okay, and we had you on an episode of the Ducks Unlimited podcast uh, several months ago. I think you, Chris Jennings, and I sat down and gave you an opportunity to, uh, to talk about campus waterfowl 
And that episode was was actually 4:53. We uh, we did a little pause there and looked it up. So it was like a year and a half ago. Uh, it's been all 22. So yeah, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that. Learn a little bit more about what Derek is doing. It's a really really innovative uh, project program that he's got going, and and it's it was cool for me to be part of that. And so we what we wanted to do here at the introduction, Derek, is is I guess just recap briefly what we were doing you know, down there at Mississippi State this past weekend and um, I, I guess introduce some of the folks that we were we were with the we did not have the advantage of going on the hunt and then recording the podcast and so that's the other thing that we'll do is and that was a that was a very eventful hunt that it first was. morning there <laughs> you, you guys actually went on two of these I only, I only went that first morning but it was incredibly eventful and we'll talk about that but I, I guess Derek the Give the quick synopsis of what you do. You go out and you you meet with the college students or make connections with these college students that are waterfowl hunters, and then just sort of explain how all that works. Yeah, absolutely. So this is a, this was a part of our collegiate waterfowl tour. It's a video series that we do during hunt season where we actually yeah travel to colleges around the country and highlight college students and how they hunt their areas and just go out for a weekend and just have a good time. So a lot of just like you would do in college. So um, and the reasoning for that is just because in college you got limited resources, uh, whether that's uh, equipment, time, just everything's kind of limited. Um, and so, especially this weekend was a perfect example. You'll watch in the video of just all the things that kind of come at you uh, and all at once in this weekend of just all the challenges that come with duck hunting and then being a college student. So this was kind of just a perfect weekend to, to showcase that. And some of these you kind of, you, you try to plan a few weeks or maybe a few months in advance. Others, they just get a phone call on a Wednesday or on a Tuesday and and then you load up and you're there yeah. on a yeah. Friday or Saturday. This one we had been planning for a little bit though, right? Yep. So luckily, so obviously we know that kind of later in the season, it kind of gets a little bit better. So um, the students at Mississippi State, I did plan this one out about probably about a month in advance. Uh, luckily, it wasn't the weekend during that cold front where everything locked up. So um, it was just the, the weekend after. So everything, yeah, was opened up and yeah, the birds were flying. But yeah, when it comes to um, figuring out travel times, it's I've come literally the night before and even gone an all night like day of driving or all yeah dr- drove all night uh, to get to the spot the next morning and started filming right away so um that's how that's what hunting is you, you never really know yeah. sometimes where where you might be hunting the next morning until the night before and and i gotta be be flexible enough uh with the students' schedule to make it work you and i had talked about this episode um or not the episode but i i guess the the hunt been talking about it for a couple of months because i wanted to give you an opportunity to to talk about Doug DNA project and uh, you and I were sort of brainstorming and I, I don't remember which of us suggested the idea or if if hunting with the Mississippi State students was on your agenda on your kind of radar coming into the season but um, somehow <laughs> the discussion <laughs> kind of moved to this point where hey well I will go along with you. It's my alma mater. I got my bachelor's and my master's there from Mississippi State. I grew up in North Mississippi uh, and and heavily involved, of course, in the Duck DNA project this year and wanted to share that with your audience. I think that's, those are the younger crowd, I think, are some of the ones that we find, uh, are finding that are 
more excited about this. They think it's um, they think it's it's more. They're number one. They're more technologically inclined because it does require you to kind of interact on on a phone and set up an account and all that kind of stuff. But I mean that we we've got real diverse participants this year. But still, that younger crowd is the group that we really want to get engaged in a lot of the data collection, citizen science, anything to do with science and waterfowl and ecology of waterfowl and conservation. I mean, that's, uh, they're the future. Yeah. Yeah. You hear that all the time of them being the future. And it's really a matter of if you give them an opportunity, a lot of them will jump at that opportunity to, to do something. So whether if that's going on a hunt somewhere else or even, yeah, do, being a part of something like this, uh, they, they want to be asked and just be able to participate in things, as many things as possible, uh, because they're wanting to learn and, and they're open to learn uh, all these different things. And when it comes to our content, it's, yeah, it's having that duck DNA thing. That's a science piece that's pretty unique uh, for this weekend. But then anything when it comes to bettering how they can hunt. And, and that's what's so great about Campus Waterfall is that students can learn from one another from across the country and see things how maybe how someone sets up decoys in California versus how they set up decoys down in Arkansas or, or just anywhere. Um, and so they, they can take all that in um, and learn just from one another. Derek, I came away thoroughly impressed and inspired by the students that we interacted with there and we hunted with their dedication to, to hunting, their passion for hunting, but also their their keen interest in supporting Ducks Unlimited. That's the other thing that is, I, I think, is pretty common in some of the groups that you, that you go with. I don't know if it's always the case, but um, this group was heavily involved and made up basically the leadership, the sort of past, current and past leadership of the Ducks Unlimited or Mississippi State Ducks Unlimited um, chapter. I should say the Mississippi State chapter of Ducks Unlimited. Uh, they were, and we talked about that, and they talked about some of the events that were coming up for that chapter, but their excitement for being... Um, being associated with Ducks Unlimited and wanting to help and contribute to our mission was another very inspiring aspect of this of of that weekend. You, you'll hear it in in the podcast here shortly. Just the passion that they have for Ducks Unlimited and knowing that what they do just at their local college is making an impact for um, Ducks Unlimited and just the greater good for conservation. It also took me back to whenever I was a college student and you talked about it earlier, you don't have, you're, you're kind of cobbling together resources and gear from different people. We had to, uh, we, we were in need of a second boat. And so they called up a friend and said, hey, are you doing anything tomorrow? We need a second boat. And said, no, I'm, I'm in. And so we, you pull people together, you pull gear together, um, however you, you have to and however right. you can in that kind of situation. And um, it was... It was a wonderful event for me. I'll mention the names here of the folks that we uh, that we were with: Hunter Minges, uh, Hunter Yelverton, Drew Brown, Sarah Ann Weaver, Betsy Newbel, Cooper Little, and Owen Schnedler. I apologize if I mispronounced any of those <laughs> names, but I think I got those right. That they were absolutely wonderful from start to finish. We ate dinner on that Friday night, had fantastic conversations about everything ranging from waterfowl science. Hunter is a master's student um, there at Mississippi State. I believe he's a master. Yeah, he's a master's mm -hmm. student. And then, of course, Sarah Ann and Drew and I were talking about some of the fishing that, that, that she and her family 
have, have been doing in Florida for a long period of time. And Betsy Newbold is a, a host of Ducks Unlimited TV. So it was just a wonderful group, a diverse conversations. And that was all Friday night. And then, of course, after we ate dinner, we went to uh, get to Betsy's place. And that's where we recorded the, uh, the podcast that's going to be coming out on the Campus Waterfowl platform. You do a, a podcast episode every time you, you do one of these, these hunts. But we wanted to also kind of feature that, that discussion on the Ducks Unlimited platform and we're going to play that here in a little bit but that was the the I mean, it was a it was just a insightful thoughtful great conversation and uh, all, all around and so that was just friday night i guess we departed there we, we kind of broke camp around i don't know what was it 10 o'clock or 9 30 10 o'clock when we concluded there and then the wake-up call was 3 a.m yeah <laughs> yeah my alarm had 245 on it so i was the, the two got me <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty early. Yeah, so wake up call at 3 a.m. and uh, about a 45-minute boat ride over the Ten Tom Waterway, and it was raining. It started raining whenever we got over there, and and it continued to rain for about, I don't know, two hours, two and a half, three hours. Yep. Uh, hauled all the gear in. Nobody flinched. We'd never once d- uh, asked the question, do we really want to do this? It was just we're all in, and... Had to had to make a couple of uh, back and forth boat rides, uh, just for for safety's sake, and got there and uh, went on the Ten Tom Waterway, maybe a quarter, half mile, probably mm-hmm. I would say, a half mile to a mile. Had to climb up a steep embankment, then went into this this cypress slough, this scrub shrub type of of wetland, and. Um, it continued to rain, and and but we had a great hunt. We ended up, what was it, 23 or 24 ringneck ducks? I believe so, yep. And then three gadwall, and then maybe three green-winged teal. I forget exactly the total count, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was it was a great hunt. I re- Green uh, ringneck ducks are, I think, underrated in a lot of ways. They're they're great. They're a very sporty duck, and of course, you get in some situations like that. Some of those uh, cypress sloughs and forested swamp, uh, yeah, forested swamps of of the that particular area, and it can be it can be pretty good. And it was, yeah, it was to my surprise. Like I didn't even know ringnecks would go into that type of oh, yeah. habitat. Um, so being able to, yeah, shoot divers kind of in that area was pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty special. It was, I think it was the night before that we were, somebody was telling me what kind of habitat type we were going to be in. I said, oh, it sounds like it might be some ringneck ducks in there. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, it was. I think I mentioned to you, it's this classic ringneck duck habitat in North Mississippi. Mm-hmm. So uh, reminded me a lot of the places I, I hunted growing up. And uh, let's see, then I left. I had to, had some other things I was, I was going to do and uh, went hunting in another back in my old stomping grounds the following day but you guys went for uh went hunting again i guess it would have been sunday morning that was a little bit slower if i remember if i if i heard correctly a little slower of a hunt uh but it was a lot less challenges there wasn't any rain uh a little easier walk in so um it was a nice compared to the the morning before this was kind of it was kind of nice being able to just relax that next morning uh what kind of uh what kind of place did you say was you hunting out of a pit blind or were you just kind of right on the bank oh okay yep yep similar to what you'll see in the video um but this yeah then this hunt will actually be about a week later okay so talk about that we're recording 
uh, well, this episode is probably going to air the day that that YouTube video comes out. We're here in in very late. You and I are sitting here in, on January 30th. This episode um, will be coming out in early February. And so at the time that you're listening to this episode, you'll be able to go to Campus Waterfowl's podcast. You can listen to the, if you want to listen to the episode twice, you can. <laughs> uh, but the other thing that we want to draw your attention to your attention to is the YouTube channel for Campus Waterfowl. So you can see the videos. The neat thing that Derek does is he, he puts out a video of the hunt, but then he also does a, uh, a podcast. So check out his, his other podcasts and some of the other uh, play, people and places he's visited. Check out the other YouTube videos he's created. But tell folks where they need to go to find that on the YouTube uh, or podcast. Yeah, so anything... If you search Campus Waterfowl across all platforms, you'll find our stuff uh, on YouTube. Yep, we every trip that we go on, we try to do four pieces of content. So we start out with a podcast. Uh, we do two hunting videos and then uh, miscellaneous videos. So we've done in the past a lot of cooking videos, um, kind of tips and tactics. We've gone fishing before, deer hunting before, just something outside of the hunt that students do. So you'll see in, on our channel that they're kind of in batches of four, um, these kind of trips is what I kind of just categorize them as. But um, I do, before we get into the podcast, this didn't get brought up until at the end. Um, so the Mississippi State Ducks Unlimited chapter, uh, March 19th, will be hosting a concert for conservation. So Sam Barber will be the featured artist there um, at Rick's Cafe there in town, uh, presented by Mossy Oak. So I, just in case you couldn't get all the way through the podcast, I would I did want to plug that for the chapter. Yeah. Um, so if you guys are in the Starkville area, be sure to attend that. Rick's Cafe is, you know, you and I were talking about this when we were in Starkville. You might have might have heard uh, some of the conversations. There were very few places that remain in Starkville the way they were whenever I was there two and a half decades ago. But Rick's Cafe is one of those that is. It's like an establishment and mm -hmm. it's stuck around. But yeah, so March 19th. Thanks for plugging that, Derek. Uh, I don't know what my schedule's like right now, if I'm going to be able to get down there, but it uh, would certainly be nice to do so. And it was a great weekend. Thank you. Thank you, Derek, for inviting me. Check out the YouTube video. Check out uh, all the other great stuff that Derek is, is putting out with Campus Waterfowl. You're going to be transitioning to sort of a, a research tour here as we get into the spring and summer. Are you going to do that again? Yes, for sure. Uh, so, yeah, during the off offseason, um, we'll have... Well, actually, coming up in March here, we got our big Collegiate Waterfowl National Championship. It's a big bracket that we do. But uh, for video content that we will be publishing is we'll be doing some... some uh, snow goose conservation hunts with some students this spring, but then also we'll also be doing our research tour where we travel to colleges um, and find or we highlight graduate students who are uh, heading waterfowl or wetland research. So kind of same premise as the waterfowl um, or the collegiate waterfowl tour, but focusing on research. Yeah, very cool. Check that out as well, folks. There's episodes from from the past couple of years as mm -hmm. well and showcasing the great work that graduate students all across the, the country are doing. So final thank you to Hunter Minges, Hunter Yelverton, Drew Brown, Sarah Ann Weaver, Betsy Newble, Cooper Little, Owen Schnedler, and then you, Derek Christians, for allowing me to tag along. Uh, that, was, that was a special event for yeah. me and I uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. So with that, we're going to kick it over to the Campus Waterfowl podcast with Derek Christians, Hunter Yelverton, and Drew Brown, and myself featured on that one. So enjoy, folks. Thanks for joining us. 
Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Campus Waterfowl Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Christians, and on this episode, I am here for a collegiate waterfowl tour at Mississippi State University in Starkville, Mississippi. Here we are. <laughs> here we are, yes. Uh, it is, unfortunately, the last weekend of duck season. Uh, it's been a long season. This is stop number two. 10, only 10. So typically we do 12 trips on our collegiate waterfowl tour, but um, we kind of got a late start to the season this year. So we're going to extend the tour into conservation season. So hopefully get on a couple trips this spring and go after some snow geese. I'm looking forward to it. It'll be a a fun, a little uh, fun couple trips, I think. And we've never done it for our tour. So um, why not this season? Might as well. Right. So um, if you guys are listening to the podcast, um, this is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all those streaming platforms, but we also record it on uh, YouTube. And then also you can actually watch the video on Spotify as well. But um, if you're watching on YouTube, take it on the road if you if you can't finish the podcast. But um, if you're watching, we're kind of, this is probably our most elegant scene of all of our college trips. We're here <laughs> at one of their colleagues' places where it's probably, is it, would you say it's the cleanest of all the places? You, you'd have to think. Yeah. You'd, I mean, you'd have to think. <laughs> My place is pretty squeaky clean, if you can believe it from looking at me. But, uh, <laughs> uh, no, nah, Betsy, Betsy is a great decorator. She, she is. Uh, she can do it well. Yeah, it's definitely your... It's, it's not the typical like college decor that I suspect no. you know, for, for, for this group yeah. <laughs> or for, for me whenever I was here. Absolutely. Um, but so to kind of introduce our guests lightly, so to my right here, we got Drew, Hunter, and then we actually have a special guest joining us, uh, Dr. Mike Brazier with Ducks Unlimited, who is back in his alma mater at Mississippi State. He, he did his undergrad here. Is this <laughs> so, where I say Hell State? Yep, I think that so. once, right? Yeah, stay and go dogs. <laughs> That's right. So it's it's fun to have him here. He's actually um, since our kind of um, since Campus Waterfowl became a part of Ducks Unlimited. This is actually our first time actually having someone a part uh, of DU on one of these trips. So it's an I'm excited for, for Mike to be here and kind of get to witness wh- what we've been doing these last three seasons. Yeah, yeah it's <laughs> so. an honor, man. It's it's cool. I'm glad to be part of it. All right. Enough of the intro stuff. Let's get into the podcast. So, uh, Drew, you want to start us off? Yeah. So, my name is Drew Brown. I'm from Columbus, Mississippi, 45 minutes down the road. I've um, pretty much, coming out of high school, I pretty much knew I was coming to Mississippi State. And I uh, started duck hunting three years ago. Come a long way since then. Very blessed to be able to do what I do. And glad I can share, others, share it with other people. My name is Hunter Yelverton. I'm uh, originally from Brandon, Mississippi, which is in the Jackson, Mississippi area. I actually did not know I was coming to Mississippi State until right at the last minute. I grew up a group of fan of another school up north. We we don't uh, <laughs> we don't like to talk about too much, but uh, yeah, all when you talk to my high school friends and about where I went to college, that it shocked them at the time. But now it just I love it here, and uh, so I I chair the Ducks Unlimited chapter here at Mississippi State. I've been involved with it for about three years now, and, and so, yeah. And me, I'm Dr. Mike Brazier. I'm the Senior Waterfowl Scientist for Ducks Unlimited. I've worked for DU 18 and a half years now. I was in Louisiana for a number of years, 13 or so years, and moved to Memphis in the current position I'm in, um, whatever that would be, five years or so ago. And this is an amazing opportunity for me to be part of this with you, Derek, uh, Campus Waterfowl, and um, Drew and, and Hunter, you guys also. It's it's just so cool I mean, to have the opportunity to come back and spend this time with folks half my age, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but doing the things 
that I love to do on a sort of a different platform. Uh, getting the exposure that Campus Waterfowl is providing is just so amazing. And and I'm, uh, like I said, beginning honored to be the first DU staff uh, on Campus Waterfowl. And to have it occur at my alma mater is very, very special. So it's it's cool. Thanks for having yeah, me here. We're excited to have you here. I really appreciate you making the trip down. Yeah. Mississippi State's been kind of a college I've been one to come for come to for many years. So Campus Waterfall started in 2014. And I would say some of the earliest pictures that would kind of we'd share and get sent into or get sent in by were from Mississippi State. And actually one, I do want to give a shout out to one of the first interns of Campus Waterfall back in 2014, 2015, roughly when we were getting off, um, getting going was uh, Logan Smith, who I think, I think he was involved with the DU chapter down here. Um, and yeah, he was one of our first interns. So big shout out to to Logan. <laughs> so. Derek, the one thing that I forgot to say in my introduction is that one of the other roles that I found myself doing now is co-host of the Ducks Unlimited podcast, That's right? right? <laughs> and so we're, we're sort of a little collaboration here on the Campus Waterfowl podcast, DU podcast. Um, and and thank you to you guys for your, your volunteerism, supporting Ducks Unlimited. Uh, I tell everybody all the time that Ducks Unlimited doesn't exist without our members and especially without our volunteers, the amount of time and effort that y'all put in. It's it it's very humbling and much, much appreciated. I was a volunteer for the for the I think the Starkville chapter and the Mississippi State chapter whenever I was here. And so it's great that we still have all that going. When I started I got involved with DU probably my sophomore year of high school. And at that time my family didn't do it on duck hunting. Uh, I kinda got into it through people I'd met through DU. So uh yeah, that's uh, that's I've loved building this community and being a part of it and seeing where it's taken me. So yeah. One of the first things I kind of want to dive into in this podcast is kind of a, it's a big question. Time uh, is kind of always happening. But since we have Mike here, who's it's been a while since he's kind of hunted these same grounds that he used to when he was in undergrad. Um, and I think it's pretty uh, comparable to even other college campuses around the country, just how fast these different, these types of landscapes change over time. So I kind of want to kind of get, your guys' feel of what it's like hunting in this area and then kind of get Mike's even input on, on how things have changed in his, in his eyes. Um, well, I think it's changed a lot from we were sitting down at lunch today and uh, Dr. Mahe said, he asked me how many black ducks we killed. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked at him, I was like, uh, man, not that many. Uh, but then you were honest with me and said, have you never seen one, right? Yeah, I, I've never <laughs> seen seen one fly over. I heard of one being killed. Now, if they were lying a lot, you know, honestly, I don't know, but they said that they had um, killed one down here, and um, but that that's all I've heard of. Like it's it's crazy because where where we're hunting tomorrow is um, I mean it's been around forever, and we'll get into that I'm I'm sure later on. But um, they said that I talked to some of, some of the older guys that had been hunting. He said when when they used to hunt in there, they said they'd kill 10, 12, 15 black ducks a year, and now I mean it's. If you see one, I feel like you've done something down here. It's just the flyways are always changing. They're always birds are doing different things always, and it's constantly adapting. Um, but now we're having to adapt it, so it, it's interesting to to see. It's, it's kind of funny when you ask me how many black ducks we killed. 
<laughs> yeah. I think that's one of the things that makes our sport so incredible, though, is, is you have to learn to adapt year after year after year. Uh, it's not just these long-term sort of shifts you see. It's, it's it's something different you're dealing with every year, and I think that's what you, it's a really you really do have to be sort of intelligent and and sort of smart about how you go about these things. So that's what makes it so incredible and in seeing everything too. So and I think that's a good point. And and good hunters are ones that adapt, and there there will be ones that adapt over multiple years, but also that will adapt within a given year, right? Because your weather conditions change from one week to the next. We've already kind of talked about talk, some of that. Right, you know? yeah. You ain't lying. <laughs> we, <laughs> well, it we last had an in-depth discussion about yeah. that over dinner. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, that is the very thing. You know, a lot of people will, will say that ducks are doing or that, that migration has changed or something of that nature. I forget exactly the word that's most common. Maybe, maybe the migration is changing. And what I like to do is say, well... The phenomenon of, of migration has not changed. What is changing are those aspects of the environment and of the landscape that birds are responding to. The process of migration is, is the same, but where they go, when they go, and the, and, and the timing that they, that they go there, those things are, are what's changing. And those are in response to all these other things on the, on the landscape. I feel like migra- migration is always going to happen. They have, they have to push down. And, I mean, you, I mean... Up north, like, I'll be honest, if I was up north and I didn't have to move down, no, right? Why, why would I fly all the way down here? So, I mean, you can't really get mad at it because there's no, there's no reason for them to push down right now. And I'll say this, um, duck hunt's growing, man. Like, I remember my senior year of high school, like, it's me and one other buddy, like, that was it. Like, everybody duck hunting. And I work at a hunt store in Columbus now. And I mean, which I, I think is a good thing, but like, ninth 10th graders i mean you have like boats and like they're going every day so like it's good for the sport like i i it's good everybody's gonna do it it's such a fun thing to do like i i I hope everybody gets to experience what i've personally experienced but um pressure is involved in that too so then you have to put that into account but it, it really is it's growing so that's interesting to hear you say that you know and i'm i'm a big data person and we look at the data and some states, you look at 100 numbers, and they're going up. Some, most states, and then when you look at them over all states combined, 100 numbers are going down. What's interesting, and what, well, what would be interesting to dig into, and I don't know if the numbers are out there right now, but to see how sort of the age demographic is changing. I mean, we knew that, we, we knew we were facing this situation where most of the hunters at one point in time were in this aging sort of um, the, the, this age bracket and they're getting older and then once they get to about 70 years old they really they start to to drop out right but then well, what's and so that's why a lot of these recruitment retention reactivation efforts have been put into place what is that dim, earlier that younger age demographic the number of hunters what does it look like is it growing sounds like you you think ex- it is based on oh, what yeah. you're seeing it's exploding i mean i mean, i even talk to like my dad and some of his friends all the time and and they say Compared to what duck hunting and, and other waterfowl hunting is now, it just was wasn't at least in the in the Jackson area growing up wasn't nearly as big of a thing as as it is now. Now, young people, it's it's, it's exploding. Why do you think that is? I just think it's what ex- would be your hypotheses if I had to. I just think it's. <laughs> it, well, it I think it's an exciting sport. I mean, uh, I know a lot of people. I think deer hunting has kind of been the king around Mississippi for a long time. And I think a lot of people like duck hunting or a lot of young people, especially because they can get out, they can kind of talk and, and kind of, I don't know. 
it's a lot more. You can be a lot more loose with it. You can go have you know. There's sort of an art to calling ducks too. That's that that's a whole nother sort of trick to learn. So I think it's a, there's a lot of excitement to it that uh, that gets young people kind of into it. So over in Starful, oh, over in the refuge, you know, you can only hunt at certain days. But they said, I people come in store all the time. Yeah, we're gonna head out of the refuge in an hour. It's five thirty. I mean, they're going to spend the night, which, like, I can't say. Oh, 5.30 oh, in, in the, the evening. Oh, in the afternoon. Yeah. In the afternoon. They're going and stacking up trucks, and they said it is an all-out war every day no at the refuge kidding. to go hunt, which it was it never, was good. Yeah, yeah we, but we never did that. Like, five, six years I ago, I feel like that's unheard of. Mississippi State's a big community for that, too. I, I guess with a lot of the, the ag people and the and the wildlife and biology background we have here, uh, I hear about, I, I know out-of-state students that come from all over the country, and they say, well, I came to Mississippi State because well, I want to go to school, but I want to go hunt the Mississippi Delta on no the weekends way. and wow. stuff. So it's a, it's a, there's a ton, the community is great down here. It's incredible. That's awesome to hear. You know, Derek, what I, what I would say, um, I, I, I think back to, I think back to my time whenever I was here and the people that we hunted with, there was a core group of us and we were, we were pretty hardcore. Um, but we would never did the five thirty p.m. type thing. Oh yeah, we didn't. We didn't have to. And I don't even remember. I don't what the like the the hunt opportunities out at Knoxville were. Um, it's been it's it's been a while since I since I was here. But uh, we had a pretty small group, you know, that would hunt, and we just we didn't hear a lot about it. Of course, social media and the the way people communicate has changed. Campus Waterfowl, right? right? That was, like, I was just going to ask. This, this is pre-social yeah, right? media. Yeah. That's well, right. Well, that's been one thing that's helped it blow up so much, I think, is, is the explosion of media along with hunting. I mean, even guys as big as, like, you know, the the Robertsons and stuff helped duck hunting just explode yeah. in the yeah. last decade all the way down to you seeing your buddy on Instagram, you know, going out with all his friends. You think, oh, I want to I do that. I asked students last weekend uh, when – at NC State and ECU, um, if they're, if a lot of people involved with their chapter or just people that they know, are, you, are do you see a lot of your peers uh, even traveling out of state or even just willing to travel for different I types got, of hunts? I got buddies up in Arkansas right now. Really? That they, they uh, he called me today. He's like, "You going in more?" I was like, "Yeah, we're gonna try it." He said, "We just crossed the Arkansas state line." Mm -hmm. So I mean, they're one of them out of staters. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, and it's crazy because in the boat ramp, we'll see it in the morning. The past couple times we've hunted is there's been seven or eight trucks from Alabama driving. I mean, it's, there's out-of-state people coming here. I know that sounds crazy because as terrible as the weather's been and the hunt has been down here, it's, I say terrible, it ain't been bad, but I mean, it's crazy to see how many people are traveling to come here, not people traveling to go hmm. other places. When I was, uh, I lived in North Carolina this summer, I was working there this summer and uh, I had friends I was working with that they went to Clemson and uh, some other schools up in the Carolinas, and they were like, "Yeah, we're we're going to go hunt uh, hunt the Delta this winter. We're going to hit the Mississippi Delta, and then we're we're going to go to Stuttgart, Arkansas, and we're gonna, we're going to have a time over winter break. You should come with us." And I was like, "Dang, y'all are coming all the way to my neck of the woods." So yeah, people do travel, especially young people too. I mean, people people love to come to this part of the world and 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 be able to hunt and see. Be, see what experiences they can get all over the country. So it's incredible to see, just meet the people that from all over. So. I bet you that's one of the, I say I bet you because, you know, I, I would love to have the data. I bet you that's one of the biggest things that has changed is 
people's willingness to travel and the, the, the frequency and with which they travel and the distance they go and the amount of time they spend doing that. I think it's a great thing because we're talking about waterfowl here. It's a migratory resource. It depends on landscapes all the way from Alaska and um, Carrick Lake, the Queen Maud Gulf, all the way down to the Yucatan Peninsula of Mexico. And I don't think you can really appreciate those connections until you go there and you, you realize you're hunting the same birds. If you go to Kansas, if you go to Lake St. Clair in Michigan, if you go to Pacific Northwest, I mean, those are all North American birds. They come from different regions and all that type of stuff. They're all connected on this continent. And by traveling and seeing those different places, I think people develop a greater appreciation for that. And I think it probably builds some of that network, that broader uh, broader network of, of, of hunters. Oh, sure. That's another great thing about Ducks Unlimited is just the connection you can make all over the country. I know we went to third term in Memphis this past, this past summer, and we met people from all over the country that just, they were like, well, yeah, man, just, just I'll give you my phone number, hit us up, you can come up to, you know, Iowa or something, come home, just come home with us. And so, now the the, uh, the young people that you meet through this organization particularly and the, and the opportunities you get are just amazing. So, Mike, when you hear these types of programs, um, what do you think what it could have been for you in college if these types of programs existed? Even for like, like you were doing your undergrad. What, what did you do your undergrad here? Yeah, it was wildlife ecology. It started as forestry with a wildlife major. By the time I got to my senior year, we had added the uh, a bachelor's of science in wildlife ecology. Okay. Yeah. I think so that was the first group that even in amongst that like science community, like having different, but now there's like just different things all over the place where you so can meet one another. It, mm-hmm. So now you're talking about like adding things. WFA is now has tons of things. They have to, so many different things like you can concentrate in. So, I mean, that's always changing too. Just, I mean, I bet you could go down a list. Everything you were here to where I was here is just, Crazy the differences for the listeners. Uh, WFA means wildlife, fisheries, and aquaculture. <laughs> yeah. That's a very popular yeah. major here at Mississippi State. So, yeah. Derek, I'd have probably been one of the people on the couch. I, I don't. <laughs> I think it would have probably accelerated my appreciation for those connections, and for it would have accelerated my ability to network with other people in the hunting community, build those connections. Uh, you know, I built my connections in the scientific community and research community as I got into graduate school. But building those connections with a hunting community has taken much, much longer, um, and at least outside the, the my professional colleagues. But yeah, I'd probably be one of these one of these guys sitting here on this couch. I think the other thing that I see now, and I continue to be impressed by, is how well spoken and how much more comfortable younger folks are today than what I was back then i i would imagine social media has plays a role in that i mean you 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 put yourself on video all the time whenever you're communicating with your friends i'm still a little uneasy about doing some of that but you know snapchat or or a little selfie or whatever for for younger folks i mean that's that's just the way you communicate and for for me it's still a little a little different so i i think you know as much as we wring our hands about the ills that can come along with with social media. I mean, you can say that about any kind of any form or platform of communication. I think there's also a lot of good things about it and how it's for a lot of people, it's made them more comfortable in the different communication settings. At least that's my 
unofficial take on it, but I, I, I that's the way I see it. I, th- I think we're we're definitely a lot more used to it. We're kind of it's kind of a uh, hardwired into us to that uh, the world's a little more interconnected than it, than it was a, even a generation ago. But I know for me and Drew, we're both pretty outgoing people. So I think I think we were both pretty excited about this podcast. <laughs> but uh, to just being involved with DU and other organizations on campus and stuff like that, there's I mean, there's tons of ways to just put yourself out there. And so we are we're always excited for stuff like this. It's good. Stay tuned to the Ducks Unlimited podcast, sponsored by Purina ProPlan, after these messages. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina ProPlan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're, students. we're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. the next generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation. Take it outside. One thing you mentioned, Mike, was uh, the hunting and the hunting community and kind of the science community. Uh, one thing I learned these last couple of years doing our collegiate kind of research tours, kind of what I called it, is on social media, these science communities and these hunting communities are, you think they're kind of, well, they definitely are related, but the people within them are very kind of distant. Um, and so bridging that gap is something that we're trying to do and something that even Ducks Unlimited has obviously been doing for a very long time. But now this year, um, and you guys didn't even, Hunter and Drew didn't even know about this uh, beforehand, but so Ducks Unlimited has this project called Duck DNA. Well, I've heard of it. I didn't know we had it like on the scene. <laughs> oh yeah, we got, we, got, we got a kit here. So Mike, would you like to... Uh, Sure, kind of share a sure. little bit about yeah. what D- yeah, duck DNA is. <laughs> and I'll just say that was an outstanding segue, Derek. <laughs> um, so yeah, this one, actually you enrolled, you know, we, we had a number of these, these things that, that we, um, 
we assign to people in our organization, like you and me and, and uh, Mallory Murphy, our social media uh, manager, and a few other folks that interact with a lot of different groups to kind of help us spread the word about these uh, and, and get feedback. So what Duck DNA is, first I'll just tell folks you can go to our website, duckdna.com. There's some write-ups there about what it is and how people can get involved in it. It's it, Derek, to your point, the way Ducks Unlimited is viewing this is fundamentally our role in connecting researchers with the hunters. We've talked a lot um, in our organization about the role that hunters play in in like in providing data for the management of waterfowl populations through um, through reporting your bands when you when you harvest a, a banded bird or participating in harvest surveys whenever you're asked to do so, um, and. I'm trying to think. Well, it seems like there's one big, big one that I'm missing. But basically, harvest surveys and band recoveries, and and then participating in other ways as well with, re- with research. And so we know hunters are really, really keen to do that. We know hunters get real geeky about the birds they shoot and want to know all about them. So we wanted to take advantage of this to kind of uh, connect hunters with geneticist, a genetics researcher at University of Texas, El Paso, Dr. Phil Lavretsky. He's one of our leading waterfowl geneticists, and there's a lot of technological advances that have occurred in in genetics these days, and they're able to extract a lot more information from, uh, from, uh, from tissue, from genetic material. So this program was launched this year. We're enrolling, have enrolled about 300 participants. We're asking those participants to submit tissue samples from five ducks that they harvest. We've been, uh, I'll show this here, there's a little infographic in there and five vials in this kit that, that comes with it. Uh, people would go to duckdna.com and they would apply to be part of the program. We had over 4,000 applicants this year. Um, we were able to select only 300 of them because there's limited capacity, limited resources. It is It has been free for, for people to participate. This has been underwritten, cost this underwritten by some of our philanthropic donors. We appreciate them very much. They're acknowledged on our website as well. Uh, so yeah, the way this worked is that we selected hunters in two in two different rounds, late October, no mid October, and then late November, and they have been submitting samples. Been uh, taking what what all we do is cut request that we cut a quarter inch from the tongue of a harvested duck, focusing on mallards, black ducks, model ducks, Mexican ducks, and, and then inter- any interesting hybrid. And we are, yeah, you, you then put them in these vials and you put them in the freezer and it includes return shipping label, return postage, instructions here. The other thing that comes with this is you enter the information when you, when you cut a sample, cut the tissue from the duck's tongue, you go online to your account, you know, when you're selected to participate, you were... You were directed to a, to a website where you create your account, and then for each of these, each of the samples that you submit, you answer a number of questions like, "What was the date of the harvest? It was a, where was it harvested? Um, was it a male? Was it a female? Was it a? Do you know if it's an adult or a juvenile? What habitat was it in? A few other questions, and and so then you know you submit that. So we have. Basically, what that does is link some data to your sample, and then you ship it off to UTEP, and then 
They do the analysis, and then in about four to six weeks, we actually ran a little late on, ran behind on this first round of, of analyses. We're learning the ropes, learning a few things. We've got some of that smoothed out. The hunter receives a certificate for each piece, each tissue that they submit. It tells the um, sort of the genetically vetted species identification if there if it was if the genetic material matches more than one species it can identify what those are is is that looking at game farm mallards and that's part of it it is one of the questions yeah so that that's one of the more pressing um one of the more prevalent issues in this field of genetics and that's kind of is one of the main reasons why we I should say that's one of the main research questions that our that waterfowl geneticists are, are looking at right now is this the presence of game farm mallard genes in in the birds that we shoot and it it it's game farm mallard genes are very prevalent in birds harvested in the Atlantic Flyway they're pretty prevalent in mallards harvested, I said birds maybe, but in mallards harvested in the Atlantic Flyway, prevalent in mallards harvested in the Great Lakes region. And farther west you go, there's a a lower incidence of game farm mallard genes. And so that's one of the the primary research questions that are trying to be answered. There's a host of other questions, but DU is primarily just acting as a connector between researchers and the hunters. The response from hunters this year has been has been pretty remarkable i get all sorts of instagram messages now and emails we have an email uh, website or an email address set up for this but the level of support and excitement from the hunters and just the the uh, how badly people want to participate in this is really surprising we've had people offering to pay to be part of this um, we've had people kind of making their case, promising that they will collect high quality samples. But, you know, we've, we've kept outside of the folks like Derek and a few others within the organization that we've wanted to share these with uh, for this kind of uh, th- these type of promotional opportunities. It's been it's been largely random. We're taking, um, I guess, by the time this airs, we'll probably be outside the duck season. But right now we are collecting or, or taking uh, samples from hybrid birds. If somebody shoots a hybrid bird, they can get in in touch with us, and we'll send them a single vial, and then they'll uh, we'll run the analysis for them. So yeah, and and see that's cool because like I had no idea that that was even like a thing, and like I know so many people that would be so interested in doing it. Yeah. So and like like you said, this was like kind of like not really a trial run, but like still trying to figure it's out a pilot. How to, yeah, yeah, for sure. And like it, there's so much research you could get from doing it. And it, it's only going to grow from here. It's it, so. it it can go. It's just like twenty three and Me, right? The the more information you get on like the behavioral characteristics or the morphology or the habitat associations, who knows what else um, that you get from a bird, and then you have also the genetic information from that bird. The greater the opportunity to link these. Uh, different parts of the genome to what the bird is doing, maybe where it is. That's one of the other things that I'm sure we'll look at as we get go through time. Are there any kind of genetic signatures that are unique to birds, let's say mallards that go to the South Atlantic, mallards that go to South Louisiana in October, or mallards that go to um, go to Texas in January? You know, the, the space and time kind of um, nature of waterfowl migration and are there any genetic is any of that genetically controlled and can we 
can we identify? It's going to take a large number of samples, right? Absolutely. We've got a few other things to work out, but this is the start of it. The response has been overwhelming, and hopefully we shoot some mallards, maybe a black duck, maybe yeah, a that, hybrid. that black duck's coming in the morning. And, and we will take care of this. We will, we'll submit it there. You know, inside this, each of these vials is some a buffer solution, which kind of pre, uh, prevents the degradation of the DNA material uh, until it can, you would put it in here, a little quarter inch piece of the tongue, put it in here, put this in the freezer until we're ready to ship it back. And then and that's it. We haven't had any problems. We, I think we've had maybe one or two samples that have failed analysis. Sometimes that happens. But the fact that we've, we've had such high success rate thus far tells us that this buffer solution is really good. Uh, had really good performance, even with all the, you know, the vagaries of how hunters handle these things. Oh, and yeah, absolutely. It's, it's been pretty good. Been actually really, really good. What do you guys think about that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, hoping that black duck flies right? over in the morning is, yeah. what I, is what I think. But uh, no, like I think it's, I, I think it's like, like, who would have ever thought that like this was like a, like would even be a thing. It just, it goes to show that like, if there's enough people that like care about it and there's enough people that will like actually put forth like the effort to do something like this how how much information we could actually learn from yeah. from something like this program and and we don't know long term what the management implication is for this there have been some additional studies looking to see uh, to answer the okay so what all right so these birds have game farm mallard genes in them big deal right there have been some work and actually brian davis from here at mississippi state has been involved in some of this work looking at some of the difference morphological differences physiological differences uh, between pure wild mallards and game farm mallards or game farm hybrid mallards and they have found some preliminary differences in uh, in, in certainly in lamellar spacing you know the the comb-like structures on, on on the bill that helps birds helps ducks forage um the bill length wing shape and also some preliminary differences in like their ability to put on fat and also some uh, some of these other studies that are using gps tracking devices so here, here's here's what you can kind of think about if you have these birds with gps tracking devices on them and if you have the genetic material associated with that and you have all this data on on movement on, on the timing of migration the location of their movements what kind of habitat they're using um and that gives you all sorts of opportunity to link those behaviors with some genetic some piece of the genetic code and so they have found in some some preliminary work has has identified some differences in the way game farm hybrids move about the landscape versus pure wild mallards a lot of this will need to be replicated and substantiated before you can really have any um you know strong inference for moving forward with any kind of management recommendation even if you could if you could like we're talking about a lot of wild and free-ranging animals yeah. it's even imagining a management action that would be effective is kind of challenging but anyway it's we're we're trying to just help collect the data and then the researchers will be the ones to look into all those questions and then the the management agencies charged with decisions that would intersect any of this information would you know get involved if they want to i think this is great is me coming from less of a biologist side and more of like a you know trying to manage an organization try to recruit people has a lot of the questions we get all the time as well 
yeah, y'all, y'all, y'all hunt ducks and, and you said we're raising money. We're doing these events. Well, what, what are some of the things y'all do? And something like this would be perfect to say, well, I, as a hunter, I can do something this simple and, and ducks unlimited can collect data points from, from something, you know, we harvested as hunters just while we were out doing our thing. So yeah. I think that's incredible for us just as, you know, regular people trying to organize this chapter. So. And, and I'll say this about the whole, you were talking about GPS, but like even like bands, like I would hope everybody that kills a band would report it, but like some people just like don't. And, and like that, that's crazy to like think about. Like if you had to think like what percent, I know this is gonna, like a crazy question, but like what percentage of ducks do you think get banded? Oh gosh, I have no idea. <laughs> like it, it's got to be a lo- like an it's, it's very, very insanely low, low yeah. number. I, w- I was actually lucky enough to, this summer banned a bunch of wood ducks and wilson ducks in the refuge and the survivability of those ducks like you would never think because i would say just under 50 percent of the birds that we would pull out of a box would already be banded mm. from the the These previous hens that you're the hens yeah, yeah, yeah sir that we were pulling out of the box so like that just goes to show like even that you banned that don't mean that you're gonna find out so like even the ones that you are banned not all of them are even found so just like hunter's responsibility of when you are lucky enough and privileged enough to kill something like that, you take the little bit of initiative to go online and type it in. You know Abs- what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, one of the things, and this is a question for Brian, for Dr. Brian Davis, because he's studied wood ducks for many, many years. But so you you have a sample of birds that are banded that you're pulling from the nest box, right? Yes, that sir. you're That you're encountering. I'm curious what percentage of those that you encounter that are banded in the nest box are act, or subsequently encountered via a hunter harvest, you know? I, you, I, you'd, you'd have to think. and I don't know what that is. I suspect Brian or other researchers have kind of calculated and that. But. with us, like, I say with us hunting, with us doing everything at the refuge, I wish there was, like, at the refuge, like, a banded, like, if you kill a band, please just write a tally mark on this so we can try to, like, we banded, I think we've been like 50 something. So like if we've been like 52, well only 17 get killed. There's, you know, however many left over. So I just wish there was a way to figure out like how many are actually being killed, but who knows if they're even staying on the refuge. Well, we do, uh, I say we, the the research community and management community does use reward bands. We tr- we do use methods to estimate reporting rate and, and that those reward bands are a way that we, um, that they estimate that, and I forget what it's the current reporting rate estimate is somewhere in the neighborhood of eighty percent, which, which is good. Something uh, but, like that. Uh, but but yeah, to your point, we encourage everyone every chance we get. If you encounter a banded bird, yeah, report it. I mean, that's that's useful data. Here, here's a funny story. I was able to. I was lucky enough to kill one this year, and I was working at the store. My coworker said, "Man, I, I killed one too." And I was like, where's it from? He goes, Iowa. I was like, mine was from Iowa. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> where? The same guy, we, we pulled up our city and the same guy banded both of our ducks, except mine was born two years before his was. Well, now, so here's something I'll, I'll, I'll share with you. Not to say that the person listed on, the, on there wasn't the one that physically banded. It could have been. But a lot of times, states will have a master bander listed on the permit. And then people the will be permit, under him? And then they'll have sub-permittees. Okay. So... It could be a situation like that. Uh, Oren Jones was that his? Was that? Do you remember if that was? The I'm name? not sure. It was on. It was like on a lake. 
Yeah. Okay. He lived like on a lake. I don't know. It could have been. Yeah. Anyway, but but a lot of people will. Um, that's the intuitive way to interpret those bands or those certificates. But for some states, they will have a master bander, and then they'll have a lot of different subpermittees. Um, but still, yeah, it's really still cool. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's it's right. Still, it's still, cool still that crazy. You did that. Yeah. But yeah, that I, I would imagine that wood ducks are one of the more interesting returns that people down here get anyway because you grow up i mean during the summer you see wood ducks all the time right and then when winter comes around you shoot a wood duck it's from iowa i mean wood ducks will yeah. migrate right a lot of folks i don't know it's just one it's a local breeder but then a lot of the birds that you get later in this in the in the winter are going to be wood ducks that have migrated in from other regions, and that's a species that we're still learn trying to learn about in terms of some of those some of those migratory movements. It's also crazy to see the variability in the flyways. Like I was in class the other day, and me and this guy were walking. He's like, "You ever kill any wood ducks down here?" I kind of looked at him like, <laughs> "Are you crazy?" Yeah. I was like, "Man, I was like, there are too many of them." I, I'll be honest. He's like, "Dude, it is my dream to kill a wood duck." I was like, "Where no are you way. from?" He goes. Like the upper parts of Texas, I was like, "So what do you make yeah. kids like? Pintails? We go Sandhill Crane hunting yeah, all the time." That's right. Yeah, I was like, "Yeah, no big deal. Like <laughs> whatever." I was like, "Dude, that is like crazy compared to." But like that was his dream was he said, "I want to kill a wood duck so bad." And so there's the value in yeah. making these connections oh, yeah. with hunters from yeah. different parts of the world. It's like, hey, you come hunting with me, I'll get you on a wood yeah. duck. You well, just uh, get we, me on a pintail and yeah. a crane. We yeah. can make a deal. Yeah. You, yeah. Know, you we'll, never we'll expect that. It. It's yeah. like I said earlier, people come from all over to hunt these. Any Mississippi, any part of the country, people will go anywhere. So it's incredible to see. Derek, anything else about this we wanted to cover? We'll, we'll uh, hopefully we'll get to put that thing in use today. I actually uh, put four pieces of tissue and some vials that I had today. So I was happy about that. Perfect. Season's winding down. And, and so, uh, yeah, hopefully we get as many of these things in it as possible. Yeah, no, I'm hoping Camus Waterfall can contribute to some of this research here yeah, and absolutely. you guys can get, get a certificate possibly yeah. from it. Yep. So, um, given, appreciate y'all, appreciate y'all letting us talk about this and, and, uh, being a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely hope to help. That's our, why we all do Ducks Unlimited is to be able to just play a small part in research and stuff like that. We, I try to tell people, I have people approach me on campus that maybe aren't duck hunters or just don't hunt at all. And they say like, well, how are y'all for the environment if you if you kill animals? And we're like, I, I hate to break it to you, but hunters, are the they're the original environmentalists. You know, there's nobody that cares more than we do. And so anytime guys like us get an opportunity to even do something like that, it's, it's, it's exciting. It's very exciting. So... Yeah. Yeah, what's what do you say to them when they as part of that conversation? Because I've I'll, I, my my response is usually I just tell I talk about the so a lot of the stuff the work that DU does a lot of the research. I just say that uh, if you if you look and see the people who are doing the most research as far as wildlife, as far as you know environmental science, forestry, agriculture. I mean, they're all they're hunters. They're people that they they take they re, they sow and they reap from the land. You know, so that. I'll, that's what I like to show people. Also, a lot of people don't realize how much money Ducks Limited puts to the breeding grounds. Because without the breeding grounds, there's there's no birds to 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 even move down. So I mean, there is so stupid amounts of money going to the breeding grounds in Canada. And I mean, Ducks Limited does work all up and down the United States. I mean, it, there's 
I've seen pictures and data and so many things of just where all Ducks Limit is putting their money, and it's it's all over. Stupid. It may be stupid amounts of money going to the breeding grounds, but it's still not enough. No, absolutely <laughs> not. Stu- <laughs> it's not stupid, enough. Stupid amounts of money raised by volunteers. That's right. That's right. And and that I, that's a wonderful thing about this organization is it's all people that just really care enough to put the work in. Yeah. And so that's why we are. That's why we do this chapter. That's why all the local chapters and all across the country do it. Yeah. So. I've had the opportunity the past few weeks to visit with several folks that have not hunted before, and I was able to participate to to help introduce a couple of those to hunting. That's a really special uh, special thing to do. But we were talking with them about the value of hunters and um, the the financial contributions that come from license sales, whether it be state license sales, WMA permits, refuge permits the federal duck stamp, everyone age 16 years or older is required to have one of those. And that's one of the most effective conservation investments that any person could ever make is purchasing a federal duck stamp. You don't have to be a hunter to do that. Um, anybody can, can do that. But every hunter, by virtue of buying a license, buying those stamps, a state waterfowl stamp from many different states, they have contributed to conservation. And when you go and harvest a bird and spend your time and spend your resources chasing these birds and sweating and and being frustrated and falling down hills and then the reward on like let's say a, a hopefully a morning like tomorrow it it gives you a connection. I was explaining this to a guy just the other day. It's hard to explain. It's hard to explain in words, but when you see people experience it. You know, for the most for the most part, there are some folks that try it and they don't like it. It's just not for them, and that's fine. But the people that do get it, it's like a switch that's flipped, and it's like I can't really put words to that. But there's some visceral feeling and appreciation for that, and it it causes you to care about that resource to a to a degree that that I. I most folks that have been trying to explain it would simply say you, you just can't get from a lot of other experiences at a on as consistent of a level as you get from one hunter. Well, as a as an outdoorsman, you especially from a young age, you kind of grow a love for it, especially from the camaraderie that comes from it. But I joke with my dad and my family a lot that as, as land managers and conservationists, sometimes we take better care of the land and the animals than we do of ourselves, you know, <laughs> we're losing That's, sleep and we're yeah. skipping meals and stuff to go get out in the woods and chase these things. But yeah, we, every, most, most hunters, most responsible hunters you meet really, really care about the land and, and what they, and what they have from it. So it, it, it's pretty rare that you meet a hunter that, that just is, extremely irresponsible and and that does not care about the the land and the animals so let's talk about tomorrow's more tomorrow morning time. let's talk about it let's get into it. all right so what, what do we got <laughs> you got it Drew. we got we just uh, talked about getting excited as hunters yeah, right? here we yeah. Go. No, no, this was this was my thing all right so um we're gonna put the boats in tomorrow we're gonna travel across i'll run in sign in real quick we'll we'll head down Climb up the bank. We're we're, we're in like bank. East Central Mississippi, yep. the hot the duck mecca of the East Central Mississippi. Place to be. Let <laughs> right. me tell you, what. Uh, there are ducks over here. There yeah, are ducks really over here. There um chance of rain in the morning. That that I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about it. It could be good. Could we'll see. We'll we'll stay a little bit later to see if they won't fly to the yeah. rain. That uh, the place we're going to is it's down. Probably we're in a bad drought, so it hasn't. Two years ago, it was full. It has not been full since two years ago. So. But I'm thinking last time we hunted it, it was just about 
to where it's about to get back up in the trees. So I'm hoping with this amount of rain we got, which was a ton, um, is it'll be about shin to knee deep, and that way we can hide the brush, and they should be coming right on top of us. That's if we have them here. I mean, I'm hope. So we were locked up bad uh, the past what probably four days ago. I mean, you you could have gone out there ice skating probably. Um, so hopefully we catch them on the way back up. That's that's kind of what I'm thinking. Um, but we normally shoot pretty good when it's 45, 38 degrees. Is that what it's going to be in the morning? I think 48. I need to look at that. No, not 48. I think it's going to be like right around 40, I think. Yeah, you're going to be touching 40s, lower 50s, stuff like that, later in the day, not early in the morning. But um, this is a place I've, I would say that if we were going to be anywhere, this is where we need to be. This um, is like scrub shrub, it's button uh, willow. It's a uh, bunch of buck brush, button bush in there. There's acorns over the slough, so there's acorns dropping there. I mean... This is, we hunted the other day, and we hunted one side, and then, of course, they wanted the other, and they hit the water, and in the corner, I'm just like, come it. But, like, the, the the good thing about the slough is that if you're on one side, you can shoot groups going over, and then they'll just pitch down on, on the back side. Like, we would shoot, and then five minutes, like, in the corner. So, it's cool. I mean, they're they're in there. Um, we just got to hope they're in there in the morning. Mostly mallards? What are we, what, so, what species should we expect? Teal are notorious for coming in there. Okay. When the gadwall are here, they're in there. When the mallards are here, they're in there. Um, it just, it, it's got, it's got deep water. It's got shallow water. It's got food. It's got places to roost. I mean, I've walked in the mornings. So I had geese that flew over me from walking in. I mean, it's got every in my eyes. I mean, we may get in the morning like this place sucks, but like it's got, it's got everything that you <laughs> would think a, a, a duck would would want. I mean, it's. Like 400 yards long, just in the middle where I'm hoping there's water now was dry. So it's like in the middle, it comes up and then it just drops off. So there's water on both sides, buck brush all the way down the middle. So was it totally dry this summer? So it wasn't totally dry, but like normally, all right, the first time we hunted it, we were walking through waist deep water the whole way. Is it, what, it mucky bottom? What's our bottom pretty, like? Pretty hard bottom. Pretty, I mean, okay. pre- pretty good bottom, but right now, like when we walk in the morning, Bone dry should be. Okay. I mean, now I I hope it's deep because the deeper it is, they can swim in that brush. They can do whatever. But um, the, it should. I hope, man. It's with this rain that we got. It should be up enough to where we can stand in the brush, and then they. they so you're not concerned about it being too deep. No, not at all. Now, if you if we shoot one out in the dead middle, we're gonna be somebody gonna be swimming. But besides that, I mean, it's. But we'll ha- whoa, that's right. We won't have a boat in there, will we? That's right. We take a boat kind of to the bank. We had There's a boat an in there. Adventurous bank that I'm looking forward to. Apparently, yeah. right? We we, right. <laughs> we we had drug a boat. We drug a boat up there, and we drug it from where we're going to step in all the way to where. And like, I'll stop us in the morning. We're like, this is where the water started, because like, I remember like it was yesterday. It was we didn't sleep at all that night. We went out there at twelve o'clock. We're like, we gotta go. We got a lot of stuff to do. So we pulled up the boat, drug it through there. And then put put it in, and it took us probably an hour and a half. We'd never been in there before. We didn't know anything. We well, I take that back. We teal hunted it that year, and there was probably three hundred blue wings in there. I mean, just last weekend of blue winged. I mean, just tons of them. So we we're like, we can come in here, we can hunt this, and that's when the water was up, of course. And we pushed a boat in there because I mean, buck brush and everything. Mm-hmm. Now I got a cut trail. I mean, it's it's the best it's probably ever looked in there okay. uh getting there wise it's not bad it's not a bad walk i mean it'll be interesting it i enjoyed it 
I do it. Hey, I'm it's, game. It's fun. Y'all are going to be in good hands. <laughs> Drew is a heck of a guy. So you're not going? I will not be there in the morning. Uh, our, our good friend, uh, one of our members, Cooper Little, will be replacing me. I'll, I've uh, I've got to go out of town tomorrow, but uh, well, we'll miss you. Yeah, but it's nice talking to y'all tonight. And uh, this is this is his home territory. I'm not quite from up here, but this is his home territory. So y'all are gonna be in good hands. So yeah, it sounds a lot like a place where I, the places where I grew up, the hunting the scrub shrub and button willow. Is there cypress trees in there? Everywhere. Yeah, yeah, it sounds a lot like that. Uh, places where it's, it like if they're not there, we're gonna look and be like, that's why it's called hunting. Yep. But, I mean, there's been mornings that we go in there and watch a couple and walk out with two, and then sometimes we get in there and we'll walk out with 20, 25. I, I remember last year, um, it was a family hunt, and I brought my dad my granddad. My granddad got up the hill, so you'll be fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> we, I don't know uh, you worried about me. Huh? We got everybody up there. <laughs> the old guy in the crowd, but you know, I'll be I think, all right. I think it was. It was the week. The last weekend is when it was, and we killed a six-man. Everybody ran out of shells. Uh, just crazy i mean we were picking up birds birds were still in the air then we went back in there we skipped class on tuesday and went back in there and we killed a four so the last two hunts of the year which was right now a year ago i mean they were you couldn't keep them off of you so if we just have a little bit of that in the morning man it'll be it'll be so much fun. and we'll have we nobody has anything to do so we can stay a little bit later too yeah. get the get the get the second flight in I'm bringing the grill. I have biscuits going. Are you serious? Oh, oh I'm mean on that grill. All right. Here we go. All no, right. we don't take anything lightly around here. Uh, <laughs> we we have a fun time out at the, the duck camps around here. And I'll say this for some of my more national people listening, that Mississippi is a sportsman's paradise, whether you're in the, the <laughs> Delta or the the hills or the, the pine belt. It's a it's a there's great ducks, deer, turkey everywhere. So I highly recommend coming down here to Mississippi State and seeing us sometime. Snipe. I, I hear you can even shoot some snipe around here. <laughs> I, have, I have to get my snipe comment in. Yeah. I've been shooting some snipe lately. Uh-huh. I seen that on, on your Instagram. Like, <laughs> shooting shorebirds, man. Yeah. The right kind of shorebirds, the, the ones yeah. that you're allowed to shoot. Yeah. So how upset are you going to be if we, if I don't know how many, I don't even know how many people we're going to have in there, but how, how upset are you going to be if, if you get the, we the photo them. and we just we smash I'll, I'll be okay. I you'll, you'll, be, you'll be happy for I'll, I'll, it'll probably bother me for a couple of days, and then I'll be okay. I promise you. Right. I'm just I'm just here to be a pretty face on the camera. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, as we uh, as we kind of wind down, I just wanted to give y'all a little uh, little souvenir from our chapter. I've had sitting in my pocket for the last two hours. But no way. Oh yeah. Bulldog Check that out. chapter. Bulldog chapter. Ducks Unlimited koozie. Wow. Just a Thank little, you very much. Sort of a to- Man, just a little. Yeah token of appreciation for y'all coming down here and seeing us uh uh hopefully y'all come back we we will be hosting our first ever concert for conservation presented by mossy oak uh we're gonna have sam barber come down to rick's cafe and he's gonna play a private acoustic concert for us hopefully we hope this is our biggest event ever and hopefully y'all come back and see us sometimes what are the dates on that march 19th march 19th all right i'll get those dates from you here once we get off i'll put it in my in my in my calendar i don't I'm not, don't have my calendar memorized well enough to know if I got anything there, but I'd love to come back. And man, thank you for this. This is cool. Look, I mean, best color too. We, maroon, we, right? yeah. we, we can probably slide you in the back door. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I do I have a question you. though. 
we free to get jails? Yeah, I, I brought a whole case. I got a whole case for you guys. You know what I'm talking about. No, Ken Cartridge that. hooked you guys up. Yeah, I can't, man. That, that, ain't, that ain't no joke right here. <laughs> no, that ain't no. no joke. <laughs> two fours, too, man. Yeah, they, two four stacks. I've been hearing a lot of good things from the students. They've been they've been enjoying them all season. So. Well, hopefully that black duck flies over. That's you right. Got me f- I, I know. Black He's going to be on edge like all, <laughs> yeah, all the time now. Right He's like, no, is that man, black duck? I'm just glad we're all getting to go, man. I'm I'm really blessed to be able to do and have the the access and do something like this. And when I when the opportunity present, presented itself, man, I was like, I I would love love to do it. And I'm I'm glad you made the trip down. Yeah. And we're gonna have the whole thing on video. We're gonna have a good time regardless. But you're you're staying Sunday too, right? Correct. Yep. And so then, we'll be hunting. I'm taking off tomorrow afternoon. Yep. yep. Okay. So, so heading back. We'll gonna, figure something gonna out. Try to do. Gonna try to do some more hunting. Um, up in my. Kind of home stomping okay. grounds. I well, like to do that sort of towards the end of the season. So, but yeah, really? I don't blame you. All right. Well, I don't. I don't really want to ask you guys the question what you're going to do after duck season. I don't really want to think about it. Just Shoot a turkey in the mouth. All right, there <laughs> you go. go. I'm going to go watch some baseball. That's what I'm going to do. Baseball. Baseball is our big sport around. Yeah. How's here, Mississippi so. State looking this year? <laughs> <laughs> we we came off that national championship a couple of years ago. We're still we, living on that, right? Yeah, we're still we're still <laughs> kind of still kind of living on top of that. But hopefully, we have a good uh, good baseball season down here, and it's a fun time. I tell you what. So yeah. that's what I'll be doing after duck season. I am proud to say that I was in Omaha for the national. I was, I was there. <laughs> were you? It was incredible. Man, I had I, I did not want to miss it, and I didn't miss it. And man, it was it was amazing. And it hasn't been. Hasn't really been amazing since. That was one of those moments where performance on the field. That was one of those moments where you were just out all night and you just never wanted it to end. No, I think I pretty much was out all night. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I'll tell you this too. What you're saying about um, what we're going to do after season, we've got got some pretty big things in the works for for next year. We're talking about putting culverts in and taking a track down there and clearing some stuff out. So you know, this year, like one of my best holes last year, did not get water till January eighth. Wow. Like, we would go in there. We'd kill 15 or 20 just about every time. You could go in there every day if you wanted to. Did not have water January 8th. So, we're going to try to implement culverts to that was raise it. This year? Or this, la- this okay. year. Okay, yeah. Like, you could have drove... I could have drove my truck all yeah. in, and oh, it would have yeah. been fine. Yeah, it's I was, just crazy. I was, was going to show you those pictures earlier where two weeks ago I was in North Mississippi, and it was bone dry, and right now there's three feet of water in it, which is where it needs to be. I mean, mm-hmm. it's probably similar to the yep. type of habitat where we're going to be tomorrow. Yep. yep. So, yeah. It, it, should, it should be – tomorrow it should be – the water depth should be about – I'm hoping – Yeah, I mean, that's better. Need yeah. Which yeah. would be – but, but it's hard to hide in buck brush when you don't have water. Yeah. It, oh, yeah. You, you, you can't do it. But now – when we hunted two years ago, where we where I wanted to stand in the morning, and when it was waist deep, you could hunker down and you're fine because your legs weren't yep. there. But have a backup plan if we can't go there. We can help sit on the side of the, the tree line and and hide pretty good. But um, it should be good, man. I'm I'm fired up. It should be should do all right. Well, thank you guys for everything oh, thank that you, you man. do. I well, appreciate it. Well, thank you for the hunt tomorrow, but thank you for everything more importantly for that you do for Ducks Unlimited. Oh yeah, Again, absolutely. Y'all are the, y'all are uh, y'all are what make us go. Absolutely. We, we love it. We love it every minute of it. That's why we put in the time we do, and we we keep doing it year after year. So, yeah. All right. You guys all good? I'm good if you're good. All right. Thank well, you, Derek, for inviting me on this. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. No, I, I love getting the opportunity to do this, and uh, it's sad to say that this is going to be our last trip for this duck season but it's not over yet there's yeah. we're going to be doing some hunting this spring yeah. so but that's going to do it here at mississippi state thank you guys again thank you. um 
stay tuned for this upcoming video. We gave you guys kind of what we're what we're expecting for the morning, but see how it goes in our next video. So that's going to do it here with the Campus Waterfowl Podcast. We'll see you in the next one. Hell State. Yeah. Come on with it. Go dogs. Thank you for listening to the DU Podcast, sponsored by Purina Pro Plan, the official performance dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Purina Pro Plan, always advancing. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit ducks.org slash DU Podcast. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. the next generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation. Take it outside.